something, of course, we have our team, more of Jesus, less of me. That's our theme for the year, more of Jesus, less of me. And, of course, today, if you open your Bibles in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, let's look at verse 2. Hebrews all the way in the New Testament. You wrote the book of Hebrews. Food for thought. I like what one person says because there's a lot of, I believe Paul did, but one guy, one man said it one time to me, God did it. I said, I'm good with that. <laughs> that, that stops all disputes. <laughs> but, so more of Jesus, less of me. That's our theme for the year. May we consider Jesus in a way more of him, less of us. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Look what it says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest he be weary and faint in your minds. He have not yet resisted unto on blood, striving against sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, we're going to consider you this morning. Lord, your life on earth and what you have done for us. And Lord, the theme, more of Jesus, less of me. Maybe something that we strive to do and be. And Lord, as people in this world, help us, Lord, to make a difference with the life that you give us. Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning again that if never received Jesus as their personal Savior, Lord, may today they consider you and call upon you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So less of Jesus, I mean less of, more of Jesus, less of me is the theme for the year. And consider, this morning's uh, message is consider Jesus in your life. Consider Jesus in your life. Let me put it this way. And I said this many times, I'm going to say it again. Life is made of choices. We make choices. I make choices. You make choices. We all make choices in life. Unfortunately, sometimes we make bad choices, don't we? And I think all of us are guilty of that, of making bad choices. We have made our bad choices. And you know what? Then we regret it. Uh, we regret it because we have made bad choices. I have made bad choices. Uh, you have made bad choices. But we have made good choices too, don't we? You know, I'm not, I want to preach a message on, on doomsday today, but uh, we have made good choices. You made a good choice to come to church today. Right. You made a choice to receive Jesus as your Savior. Amen. You made a choice to serve Him. That's all good choices. Right. You know, that might, I mean, I was like, sometimes we ponder on just on the bad choices. Uh, but what about the good choices? We have made good choices. I have made good choices. You made good choices. What about the choice of considering Jesus today? Let's consider Jesus today. So every single day we make choices, good and bad, both small and, and big choices. Uh, you know, our minds, like yesterday, my wife and I, we went shopping uh, we were to make some choices. And we, you know, we look around, we did educate ourselves of some things we want to purchase. And we finally went home and uh, she did a little more study than I did. And uh, we decided to make a good choice on the price and in the product. You know, try to get the best of it in, in cheaper than, than, you know, uh, than you would... Do out of the way. Sometimes, you know, then you try, no, it's a good choice. I think it was going to be, it's going to be a good choice. But anyway, every day we make choices. We make those choices. So our minds are constantly 
considering choices, opportunities, people, events, responsibilities, and goes on and on and on. So as we make our choice, it can be easy not to put much thought in what we should do. Neglecting Jesus, for an example, and the wisdom that he offers, it is a choice that many people make. Some people purposely or make the choice to neglect who Jesus is, what he stands for, his salvation, in his heaven, and they neglect it. They don't, want to, they don't want to hear. I mean, how many people I talk about Jesus and they say, I don't want to hear it. I'm all set. And when they're all set, they're literally closing the door on you. I don't want to talk about it anymore. You know what you're going to do. You try, don't try to convince them. They already shut the door on you. So this, uh, so now, there are voices coming from every direction calling us to consider the message, isn't it? There are voices in our world can, calling us to consider the message. They want us to make a decision and make a choice. For example, politicians. Politicians always, you know, coming around and try to get you to vote for them. You know, and, and I think we have to consider what they stand for. Then we make the choice to say, I vote for you, or like I do, I vote for myself. You say, Pastor, where in the world is that? If I don't like what they stand for, I ain't going to give them my vote. I vote for myself. I'm not going anywhere. At least I get out of there and say, ah, at least I voted. <laughs> he said, really? I said, I've done that. I vote for myself. All right? Advertisements. It's all over the place. You go, you, uh, interesting. You go on, on, on line and you look for a truck. Before you know your Facebook page is full of trucks. Yeah. And they go like, wow, Even, you know, they, everybody's after you. They want you to make a choice. And you've got to resist those temptations. So advertisements, posts for social media. You know, people put posts, uh, you know, there, and, they, you know, they post for pur purpose. Of course, they like what they put, obviously. They like it, otherwise they wouldn't put it there. You know, but, you know, and, and it get you, get you attention, and you push a like there. You know, some friends. Sometimes they come and you, you have to make a choice. What kind of friends I'm going to have? This friend, that friend, this friend. It's all choices that we make, isn't it? Yes. Family as well. The choice of our family. Who you're going to hang up with? Who you're not going to hang up with? Our own thoughts. Oh, good night. We are full of thoughts, aren't we? And what kind will we do with our thoughts? Some thoughts are not very healthy. Do you find yourself thinking about things that are not good? Am I the only one? <laughs> You know how many times you find you go, oh, snap out of it. No, but this is not good. And you ask the Lord, Lord, help me here. You know, sometimes, we, you know, we even with our thoughts, we have to make a choice. Huh? Huh? Which way I'm going to go? So let me, let me illustrate this way. Any year that is a presidential election, it will, we will hear dozens of candidates explaining why we should consider them for the next president of the United States. They will ask us to consider their policies. Their past records and anything else that should uh, call, uh, could cause us to consider voting for them. Go through television and radio and internet and any of the, of the, uh, the possible media will do their best to engage us as they consider them. For an example, our local TV stations, they come out, if you follow them, like Channel 10, Channel 12, Channel 6, uh, you, if you follow them, they put this almost outrageous breaking news the way they date it, the way they, they, they title the things, and you go, oh, and it drills you in. That's what they want because they want ratings. 
They put it out there and then say, oh, we want to put it this way so people can, can access, so they have those ratings. So they, they want you to make your choices. So while there are many worthy people and causes to consider, there is one who easily gets crowded over our everyday thoughts, and his name is Jesus. We have all these voices. We have all these announcements. We have all these politics, all these people. They want us to make choices. And there is one that says here in the book of Hebrews, consider Jesus. And unfortunately, many times we don't consider him. So let's look at this message this morning. Consider Jesus in your life. Number one, consider his position. Consider, I just want to, I mean, the musical was leaned towards that this morning to us to consider who God is. Because listen, if I'm going to worship, come to church to praise Him, to sing songs, to praise Him, I got to consider who He is. Right. Otherwise, you know, I, I, it just church becomes a routine. Who is God? Who is He? Who is Jesus to me? Is my Savior? Is He my God? Should I worship Him because I believe in who He is? And what he preaches in his word, do I believe that? So consider his position. Who is Jesus to you? Folks, I heard all kinds of things about who Jesus is. People, I mean, the worst I heard was somebody called him a lunatic. That, was, they talk, that took me back because I didn't expect that. I heard all these people say, he's a prophet, he's a good teacher, he was a good man, he, 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 he died innocently and all that. And some people, of course, uh, those of us who say, he's my savior, he's my God, I heard that, but call him a lunatic. But to us this morning, consider his position. Look what it says in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before uh, him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So seriously, when was the last time you pounder on who Jesus is? I told my family last night, you know, the theme of this year, it was me. The Lord pounded my heart, more of Jesus, less of me. And I hope... My message is because I want more of Jesus in my life and less of me in my life. But I want that to go to you as well so you can say more of Jesus and less of me. Let's consider who He is. Many people have a distorted idea of who Jesus is. Many image and fabricate a Jesus in their minds that is far from the Jesus of the Bible. Right. Folks, if the Jesus that is in your mind doesn't match the Jesus of the Bible... That's the Jesus that is in your mind is not the real Jesus. You say, oh, there you say that. Well, that's the truth. That's the truth because the Jesus of the Bible is the God Almighty. That's His Word. And as many people out there have these misconceptions about Jesus and who He is, it's because they put in their own mind. Oh, my Jesus is a Jesus of love. My Jesus will never be a, a, Jesus, a, judgment, a, 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 a judgmental. Really? The Bible says, should not the judge of the earth do right? That's right. Wow. So consider Jesus and who he is. Folks, this is why, uh, that's why this morning uh, we need to consider the real Jesus, who he is. Some just see him on the cross. 
and kind of think that that's where he belongs, on the cross. You know, like he never left there. Listen, folks, the cross is gone. It's just a place of shame. But let me tell you, the, Jesus is no longer there. The tomb is empty. My, the Jesus of the Bible rose from the dead. It doesn't matter what the opinions of men, it doesn't matter what people may say, Jesus is alive. We worship a living God, not that God. Amen. So, some view Jesus as a small and insignificant person in their lives. They, mean they, have, they, they don't see the need for Him at all. Some view Jesus as just a symbol of religion. So every, every church out there that calls, mentions the name of Jesus, oh, they're Christians. No, they're not. A Christian is a person who put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a Christian, a follower of Christ. Tragically, many people in America do not really consider who Jesus is. They know little bit, a little bit about, about God, but they do not consider Jesus as they, uh, in their everyday life decisions. They don't include Him in their decisions. Since he's, he's actually foreign to them. Too many people do not understand that Jesus is truly God who came down to us in human flesh and walked in the earth, died for, for the sins of mankind, and now sits at, at the right hand of God. He is God Almighty. The Bible says Emmanuel, God with us. Let me give you a little illustration. Leading up to the uh, up to the 2007 field, the Ten Commandments, uh, Kelton research uh, surveyed a thousand people to discover how, mu- how much American Americans actually know about the Ten Commandments. The survey also included questions uh, now pertaining to the Ten Commandments. Uh, uh, would uh, be leading America to America life. 80, 80% of those survey, surveyed knew that the Big Mac from McDonald's added, added to all beef patties, and 62% knew they had pickles in the, in those, in the Big Mac. But just 34% knew, uh, knew that, remember that the Sabbath day to keep it holy is one of, of the Ten Commandments. Uh, less than 20, 30% knew that one of the commandments was not was not to make griven, uh, griven images. So the story study, which, which contains various uh, on this question, concluded that Americans know more about the Big Mac than they know about the Ten Commandments. That's interesting. That is true, folks. Letter A. He is the preeminent one. He is the one above all others. He is worthy of our consideration. Our text... And our scripture text for this lesson calls him the author and finish of our faith. The author indicates that he is the originer of our faith. He is the first and, and the last. He's the author and omega. Hey, listen, who Jesus is, he is the creator of all things. He is God Almighty. He is Emmanuel. He is our Savior. That's what the Bible teaches. That's who he is. Let it be. Oh, let me, let me, okay, let me, actually, Colossians, I mean, I, I can't miss this, this, this verses. Colossians 1.16 describes who Jesus is. Look what it says. For by him were all things created, that are in the heavens, that are in the earth, visible, invisible, invisible, whether they be thrones, or dominions, or principalities, or powers. Uh, all things were created by him, and what? For him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Listen, 
The Bible literally describes that he, he is before all things. He created all things. And by the way, it's not the scientists of our world that sustain the universe. It's God Almighty. Wow. We think we know it all, and God says, I'm the one who sustains it. I remember, I never forgot this. When we had the big earthquake in Japan several years back, who remembers that? And I remember one of those guys, smart ones on TV, that says, oh, the, the, the way this earthquake happened, the sphere or the, the, the rotation of the earth probably moved, and we're going to see the consequences. Summer still coming. Autumn still comes. Winter still comes. Spring still comes, and God's still in control. Who am I to say such a statement? Let it be. He is the perfect one. We are considering Christ because He alone is the perfect one. Just a moment ago, we mentioned that because He is the author and finisher of our faith. My faith is in Jesus and Jesus alone, isn't it? He is the one, the originator of all faith. He will be faithful to finish the work that he started. He's coming again, folks. Look what it says in Philippians 1.6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. So the moment you got saved, you are, a, you are born in the, of the Spirit, and that moment the Holy Spirit begins working in you to make you more like what? Jesus. I don't know if you have this on your outline, but Jesus' ways are perfect. Jesus' ways are perfect. I don't know if you have that in your outline, but if you don't have it, if you don't write it down, that's fine. So th there are quite a bit of people who have a hard time trusting God, but the great reality is that God can be trusted. Listen, people trust God for salvation, but they don't trust God with their life. So they're making all these things, and after when problems arrive, they blame God. If God loved me, why I'm suffering? Well, you suffer because you did it to yourself. But so Jesus is a perfect one. You can trust God. God will never disappoint you. He will never lie to you. He will never let you astray. You can trust the Lord. He is perfect. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are judgment. A God of trust and without iniquity, just and right. He is He, I'm sorry. And Psalm 18.30 says, and, and as for God, His way is perfect. The word, the word of the Lord is tried, is a to all those that trust in Him. For who is God save the Lord? And who, uh, I'm sorry, or who is, is, is a rock save our God? He is a God that girded me with strength and making my way perfect. We have a, we worship a perfect God. A holy God. Right. It means we live in a world that we worship people. We idolize people. So we go and run for the autographs. I told you about the, the, the thing I did in my job. I got him giving my autograph for free. Yeah. <laughs> Only one person got my autograph, a Christian brother. Because <laughs> he knew I was, I was doing that purposely. I go, ah, yeah, I got you autograph. Send it over here. But everybody else would go like, well, what are you autograph for? You know, like some of them, they were not very nice with the words. But, but, you know, the people in our world chase people for their autograph. I know some of them want to make money out of it. But listen, they idolize people. That is wrong because God should be first place in our hearts. 
Number two, Jesus' works are perfect. Warren Worsby says, Christ has already run the race of faith and conquered for us. He is the finisher of our faith. He's the, uh, the off and omega, the beginning and the end. What he starts, he finishes. He can see us through, through the victory. He is victorious. We can trust him. Can you put Jesus in your everyday life? Yes, you can. Sit in the passenger seat and let him drive your life. In the end, there will be more joy. Number two, consider, consider his pattern. According to our text, the Bible says he endured the cross, despising the shame. From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, we see that he lived the pattern of walking in victory over temptation, over trials, over suffering. Jesus is in humanity, humanity set the pattern to obey his heavenly Father. He was totally focused on his mission. Nothing was going to change him from the accomplishment task. Satan tried, he failed. He was focused. Remember sometimes in games he said that that guy has the game face on. You, you ever heard that? I remember once I watched Michael Jordan. You could see the face. He was focused. And he did unbelievable things. I used to love I, I kind of retired watching basketball after he retired too. My wife and I used to watch it. But he was focused. Game was on. That was Jesus' mission. Nothing was going to detour him. What about us? What about us? On the cross, he said, it is finished. It is accomplished. I have done it. Mission was accomplished. Jesus was victorious. Satan told that when Jesus died that he won. <laughs> Three days later, he saw that he lost. Because Jesus came back alive. Amen. So consider Jesus this morning. Consider what he has to offer you. Consider what, 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 can, what, what can he do in your life. He set the pattern. He sets the pattern. He sets the example for us to follow. Even... He, he, he even said these words, follow me and I will make you what? Fishes of man. Jesus said he invites us. He invites you and me and said, and said, follow me. You know, we have to trust somebody when somebody says to you, hey, follow me. We have to trust that person, right? Do I trust Jesus enough to follow him? Letter A, we see victory over temptation. Folks, we live in a very tempting world. Evil is everywhere. You know, our flesh is driven to those things that don't honor God. But can I resist temptation? Yes, we can. You know, actually, Jesus gave us that example or resist temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, you can read this from verse 2 all the way to verse 11. He shows us how we can resist temptation. Uh, I'm going to give you a little rundown here. Number one, Jesus was led by the Spirit. Logos says in uh, Matthew 4, 1, then was Jesus led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So when Jesus went into the wilderness, he was under the direction of the Spirit of God. Let me put it this way. Does not the Spirit of God reside in you if you are saved here this morning? Can we let the, allow the Spirit to lead us? Jesus allowed the Spirit to lead him. You see that? See the pattern here? You see the example that he leads? We can allow the Spirit of God to lead us in the ways of God. Number two, Jesus prayed and fasted. Look what it says in verse 2, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hunger. I mean, obviously, in his humanity, he, I mean, I mean, all right. How many days can you go without eating? I can go about, if I, pass, if I skip a meal, I'm already dying, you know. <laughs> I am struggling, you know. 
good night. I mean, yesterday I had breakfast in the morning. I didn't eat until like, what, 5 o'clock, whatever that was. I was like, I need something here to eat because I'm going to faint. <laughs> you know, uh, we went to, what, what place was that? So I'm, 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 I'm eating the peanuts. What is, <laughs> they're supposed to give you something and no bread ever came. So we were devouring the peanuts because I was hungry. Imagine 40 days. He said, folks, this is not a, 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 a story here. This was reality. It really happened. So Jesus prayed and fast 40 days. Without question, Jesus' physic, physical body was weak. He was hungered. I mean, he was a, a 100% man, of course. But, but was he powerful beyond, beyond that? Of course he was. But he allowed that to happen to him. But you know what? He fasted and prayed. Sometimes we just need to fast and pray. Because you know how we win our battles as Christians? In our knees. You say, well, I can't kneel. We sit and pray. But we need to pray. And the Bible says pray for all things. Is it really? Yeah, pray for all things. That means all things. We should be, be, prayer should be something in the back of our minds constantly. Because that's who we are. Don't you know people that not, don't know the Lord as, as Savior? They know Christians are people that pray. Anybody ever come to you and say, would you pray for me? I, live in, I, I work in a place that most people, they are not saved. And I have people coming to me. They say, I have this issue in my life. Will you pray for me? You know why? Because they know you're a Christian. Let me give you one. One day a pastor announced to his family that he was going to fast and pray. And his little girl, his five-year-old little daughter, had recently learned that fasting meant not eating. When she heard the father's announcement, she shouted, No, daddy, no, daddy. You will die if you fast. So a father looked at a little girl and tried to explain that many men and uh, in women fasted in the Bible in Bible times. You know what Ginny, uh, uh, her little girl called Ginny, uh, talked about for a, mo- for a minute. Then she looked at her dad and, and with this smooth voice, really calm voice, he said these words, um, and they all died, Dad. Well, the Bible doesn't teach us to fast to the point that we physically destroy our bodies, but our certainly prayer requests, prayer and fasting, uh, is if we take God serious, should be in our life from time to time. If you're that serious with God and you feel in your heart that you need to fast, then fast. Jesus gave us that example. It was that serious, you know, and he was fasting. He was temp- being tempted by the devil. Letter number three, Jesus quotes Scripture. Look what it says in verse 4. Is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And let me put it this way. When you look at the Bible, what do you see? The word of God came from the mouth of God. People say, oh, the Bible is written by men. You know the answer for that? You want the answer? Baloney. It is the word of the living God. People can... Deny it, can, can, can scrutinize it, can, can criticize it, can say what they want. But we know, we Christians know that's the word of the living God. Amen. You know what? And Jesus quotes scripture to Satan. You know, an example to us. In temptation, what can we do? Those verses that you memorized, quote it up. That's what Jesus' example did. When, when we go through temptation, when we find our, ourselves in certain places, we consider Jesus' word and we say, God said this way. You don't have to quote it out. You consider it in your mind. It causes you to turn around. 
All right, so you have a friend that is blowing up anger everywhere. And you know what the Bible says? Make no friends with what? And what you should do? Walk the other way. It's considering Jesus in his word. Satan tempted Jesus. Jesus quote the word of God back to Satan. There was no, it was victory right there. And Jesus gave us that example. Let it be, you see, Jesus' victory over trials. Over trial, look what it says. Consider him there endure it. Such contradiction of sin is against himself. See, uh, verse 3 of our text says that he endured trials. Folks, the cross was a trial. There are times when the, the process of enduring, it, 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 it is hard for us to endure trials. But look what it says in James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, my brother, continue with it with all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patient, and let, but let patient have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. So God wants us, wants us to endure as Jesus endured. Jesus did not quit. He didn't look at the cross and say, it's too hard, I'm not going there. He said to the Father, you know, if, if it can be done, but thy will be done, I'll do it, Lord, for you. He wanted to please His heavenly Father. Number three, consider His passion. Notice that this phrase of, of, verse, uh, of verse 2 says, for the joy that was set before Him. From our point of view, there is nothing attractive about, attractive about as the earthly ministry of Jesus. To leave, to leave glory, uh, heaven's glory, was not appealing because he came to suffer. Imagine, God left his glory in heaven to come and suffer in this earth. There is nothing about the cross that was attractive. You look at the cross and you think it is attractive? I know some people wear crosses like, you know, they lost their losses as gooses, but they have, uh, they have the crosses all over their necks and stuff. They even tattoo them in their bodies. They have no clue what they're doing. But anyway, what's attractive about the cross? It was a place of shame. The Romans used that to punish people. Many people have died in those things, and our Savior was crucified in those things. So there's nothing attractive about the cross. The only thing we see about the cross is pain. It would be a great difficult and sorrow for Jesus Christ to bear the sins of the world. Can you imagine the sins of the whole world fell on him? So it's nothing attractive about his ministry on earth. But you know what? He endured it. He saw your name and my name. And he said, I'm going there for you. I'm going to endure it. Consider his passion. Letter A, it was to glorify his father. Jesus' passion to glorify His Father was greater than anything else that would try to stop Him from enduring the cross. From the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. The, greatest, the great joy that was that would bring that, that, that the, the, Him going to the cross, He knew that would bring glory to His Father. And He was willing to do that. So, consider Jesus' position. Look what it says in John chapter 17, verse 1. The words spake Jesus and lift up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, and he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they might know 
thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou givest me to do. And now, Father, I glorify thou, I'm, I'm sorry, and now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus came with the mission to glorify his heavenly Father. He did not detour. He went right to it. Folks, what is your mission on earth? Now that you say, what is our mission? You know what it is? More of Jesus, less of me. That's what it is. Let it be. He did to redeem the world. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The phrase that set before him teaches us that Jesus Christ was appointed to do his work. It was, it was his purpose to fulfill. The Lord came to this earth to redeem the world. In eternity past, God the Father and God the Son had a plan. If men will fall into sin, the plan was already in place. Listen, when Adam fell into sin, God did not panic. God had a plan. And you know what? The Bible says in the fullness of time, he came. Let me give you this illustration. A young boy named Tom made a small toy boat all by, by himself. He worked hard to make it exactly the way he wanted. And he loved his finished product. Every chance he had, he sailed the boat in puddles, streams, rivers, or anything else he could put his boat on. One day he took his boat to the edge of a, a river. He carefully placed it in the water while slowly release, releasing the, uh, the boat in the stream. He, had the, he, had, he, uh, he sat there in pure joy as he's watching his boat floating in the water. And, uh, but to his dismay, a strong current quick, quickly snatched his boat away. Tom reached out to try to rescue his drifting boat, but the current was too rapid or too fast. Uh, Tom ran on the shore by the, uh, by the river as fast as he could, but he lost his boat. Within a few days, Tom noticed, I mean, I'll go back a little bit. After finally accepting the fact that his boat was gone, he sat at the edge of the river and cried. Within a few days, Tom noticed something colorfully or colorful in the window of a store of the little town where he lived. He looked exa it looked exactly like his boat. He ran inside in the store and to get a better look, and after just a few glances, he realized that was definitely that was his boat. So Tom ran to the manager to the store and told him, Sir, do you see that boat in your window? And uh, the, the man, the owner of the store, looked at the boat and said, Yes, I see it. That's mine. I made it, and I lost it. Could I please have him back? The owner looked at him and said, Sorry, but if you want to... The boat you need to buy, and the cost is $1. Tom was disappointed. He ran home and counted all the money that he had. He wasn't quite enough. He didn't have enough change. He asked his mom if he could give, give him some extra money to, to uh, buy the boat. And the mother said, I'm going to give you some shores around the house, and you're going to work for it so I can pay you, and you can go buy your boat. So as soon as he's raised all the money, he ran to the store. And as fast as he could, he went to get the boat. Sure enough, 
His beautiful boat was still in the same spot, in the same window. He ran to the count and gave the money for the boat. And once the boat was back in his hands, he gave a tight hug, looked at the boat and said, Now you are mine twice. Once because I made you, and twice because I bought you. Now understand today that Jesus made you. That's a fact. You're not a product of some, some blob out there, some accident out there. God created all. He is the creator. It doesn't matter what people think. God is the creator. You exist because of God. So, where was I? <laughs> so, um, so understand that Jesus made you. I'm saying go back. But, what, uh, but more important to understand is the passion of, of Jesus Christ was shed his blood that he might purchase you. You might be once, uh, he might be his once, but you are his twice. If you never accept Jesus as your Savior, make today the day that you could be him twice or belong to him twice. If you're already saved, do, do you ship Jesus' passion with others? Yes, he created all people. But some people got lost like that little boat. In the waters of life, they got lost. And Jesus said, I purchased you with my own blood. I paid the price. Just come back to me. I can redeem you. But many don't. You know what they do? They mock him. They laugh at him. They make jokes about him. Like he's not that important. Can you imagine when those people die? And they stand in front of the judge of the earth. They're going to see the one that they made mockery of. Be right there. And they're going to hear the words, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. Can you imagine that? That day. When they stand in front of the one they made mockery of. And some people would listen to this preaching and say, well, that's your thoughts. That's your opinion. No, that's the Bible, the Word of God. That's what it is, the Word of God. I conclude with this. Consider Jesus. That's what I ask you this morning. Consider Jesus. Who is he to you? Listen, we live in a very disappointed world, don't we? Well, people just outright reject the love of God. That's this year, let's, let's consider Him. Who is He to you? Why am I going to church? Why am I singing? Why am I worshiping Him? Why I tell, I tell people about Him? Why we serve others in the name of Christ? Who is He to me? Consider Him. The Bible says this way, He's the author and finisher of our faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this age that we live in. We have the complete Word of God. Lord, help us, Lord, to consider you in our lives. We all need people, Lord, and forgive us when we don't walk the way we want us to walk. But Lord, we praise your name that you say in your Word that your mercies are new every morning. What a wonderful thought that even when we disappoint you, you give us new mercies every day because you are loving God. Help us, Lord, to consider you each and every day that you give us. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.